Today, however, we have kind of like a free day, and I have especially asked uh, Tyrone Terrorai Magwagwa, that is his full name, to come and bring the message this morning. Just to give you a little bit of background, um, this is honestly one of the most unique experiences I've had in, in meeting someone, getting to know someone. One day we might feel comfortable enough to tell you the whole story, but it's been weird, and I believe it's been God. We met at the beginning of last year, and then, and then kind of again we connected a little bit during lockdown, and then it was around November that uh, I took Tyrone through the longest interview in human history where he came along with me. I had to go visit one of our sister churches in Riversdale, which is a three and a half hour drive. So, so we kind of turned it into about a 36 hour interview as he, as he came with me. And I think I asked him every question under the sun and grilled him all the way back again and, uh, and felt a piece about asking him to intern, which he said yes to. I, I do wanna say that I don't think anyone, and Tyrone, you can correct me later on if I'm wrong, don't correct me now in front of anybody, but, but I, don't, I don't know if anybody would actually know the price that Tyrone has paid. Um, I think it's been a journey, and I think that he has he has adapted himself. He's had to be teachable and flexible. Even right at the very beginning, I asked him to make certain sacrifices um, that cost him that he that he said yes to immediately. Um, I am deeply impressed with his character. Uh, I, I appreciate gifting, but I but I respect and value character. We will never have someone share with you that is just gifted. There are people that are gifted. That doesn't mean anything. I care about character. God cares about character. And, and I really, ha you know, you get to know people and sometimes the closer you get to them, the less impressed you are. I mean, don't look at anyone right now, but, 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 but you, might, you, know, you might know that. Uh, I can honestly tell you, seriously, that, that the more I've gotten to know Tyrone, the more deeply I respect him and just his journey and some of the decisions that he's made and, and the values and the priorities. So it is with great pleasure that I ask you to please stand to your feet and welcome to the stage, Tyrone Maguagua. But uh, that's such a beautiful picture of Jason. Um, yeah, totally brings out his personality. Um, but yeah, actually when growing up, when we were taking pictures, taking pictures was a different um, uh, process for us. My mother being the more structured one would tell us that we uh, taking pictures on, on this day, at this time, and we were supposed to be there and do that. That was quite interesting. So we had this little camera that we had. Um, I know people that, that are born after 2000 will not understand this. This is probably a swear word for you. We had this little camera that was not digital, and what we'll do is we'll then take the film and take it to the Kodak shop for, uh, for some weeks, and some, and they're like, what? Well, what is the Kodak shop? So um, we would then take it to the Kodak shop for some weeks for, for us to get the actual picture. So if your smile was off, you would need to take the picture again. So it's, it's very similar to how I'm taking pictures these days because these days I mostly just drive past a, a traffic camera and smile. And the, the, the government has been so generous in sending me my pictures. If my, if, my, if my smile is a, little, a bit off, I get to do it again. So this is, it's, it's, very, it's very similar um, to how we're taking pictures. I remember this one day, my mother then tells us that we are taking picture, pictures, family pictures, on a Saturday morning in the morning at 9 a.m. So what then happened is we woke up, we took a shower. We're not planning to go anywhere. We woke up, we took a shower, 
and we were getting ready to take the family picture. I remember my face was shining bright like a diamond. Uh, it looked like she poured an entire bucket of cooking oil on my face. But now, just, just, she did something that up to this day, I still do not understand. She did something. As we were about to take the picture, she pulled me. Then she put cologne on me, which I don't understand why I needed to put cologne for a picture. But she still did that anyway. Then uh, fast forward to now we are taking pictures in the 21st century. I see my mother doing something that I've seen Susan Rinder do quite a lot. I see her doing this almost every day. So, you know, when she wants to read something and she uses her hand as, an ext uh, as a selfie stick and she extends her hand like this, trying to read what's on there. So I see my mother doing that, exactly that, extending her hand like this. I'm, I said, oh, she's trying to, probably trying to read something. I said, okay, I'm going to come and help you. What are you trying to read? She said, no, I'm taking a selfie, which was interesting because she was doing this. It's so silly. <laughs> it's amazing how silly we look sometimes just trying to take selfies. Now, this is all great. Selfies are great. Selfies are good. But I think selfies are breeding a certain culture of selfishness. Selfies are breeding a certain culture of me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. It's all about me. It's all about me and all about me. Listen, if I'm, if I'm to take a picture right now of everyone in this auditorium and send it to you, who is the first person you're going to look for? You're going to look for your beautiful face. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that. But Paul talks about this in the book of 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3, verse 1 to 5. He says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulties. It's, it's very clear that we are actually in the last days and we've been experiencing some difficulties. Um, I watched this funny video of this lady as she was talking about uh, the pandemic and everything that's, that was happening. And she's like, um, it is the pandemic. It is the pandemic that is causing all these covers. So I just want to encourage everybody to santanize, santanize, santanize. <laughs> so it's, it's very clear that we are actually in the last days. We are in the last days. But then Paul says something very significant in the portion of Scripture. In verse 2 he says, for people will be lovers of selfies. People will be lovers of selfies, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, and not loving, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure than lovers of God. Then this is my favorite part, which he says that having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. When life is all about us, 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 we can find ourselves in a situation where we are putting a face, a selfie, where it's all about us, and we deny the power. We, we put on a form of godliness, but actually denying the power, actually not being godly. This, has been, this culture has been breeding uh, a certain culture called consumer Christianity, which is all about me going to church, so that B Jason can preach what I want. If Jason does not preach what I want, then there's something wrong with Jason. 
because he did not preach what I want. It's all about me coming to church and me feeding from the word that's being preached. And consumer Christianity has been creeping into the church and has been, really has been destroying the church. But this is not what God in, intended when he, when, when, this is not what God intended when, 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 in terms of Christianity. That was not his intention. If everything is about us, then we are actually going to miss the point of us being Christians. We are going to miss why we come to church. If I ask you a question, the question is, where does Jesus fit in your life? That's a very difficult question for a person like myself, looking at my, the way I'm so structured and everything. It's, I find myself focusing on things that bring glory to me, things that are all about me, my selfie. I find myself focusing more on me, that I get to neglect and find out where God actually fits in my life. Where does he fit in my life? And it's very important to, for us to understand that consumer Christianity makes our relationships with God to be very transactional. And we are not supposed to have transactional relationships with God. We are not supposed to have transactional relationships with God. I'm going to ask you, are you living a transactional relationship with God? Is your relationship with God all about what you give God? What you give God, you attending church, and what you're getting from God? It's not about that. Christianity is not about that. I'm going to read a scripture for us from the book of Acts, chapter 24, uh, uh, ch chapter 20, verse 24, which says, But my life is worth nothing. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for, for the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. For the work assigned to me, not the work that I assign to myself, not the work that I like doing, but the work that is assigned to me, the work that God assigns to me. Uh, the, it's, it's, it's important for us to understand where this work actually comes from. Christianity is not so much a changed life, but an exchanged life. And it is the exchange that brings the change. When we focus on the, the, the change, we miss the exchange part, which is the most important part. And I'm going to prove to you where this exchange happens. When God was creating the heavens and the earth, God created the heavens and the earth and he said, it was good. And he created the, the beds of the sky and he said, and he, say, he created the, the animals in the water and all of that and he said, but then there was a problem because everything that he created was reflecting his goodness. Then he said, why don't we make man in our own image that is not going to reflect not only our goodness, but is also going to reflect us. So then God created us in his image so that we can be able to reflect him. So when, we, when our lives are all about ourselves, the work we assign to ourselves, we are actually not reflecting God. We are supposed to reflect God. So it's important for us to understand. So what we need to do, when our lives are in selfie mode, we often get in the way of the attraction. The main attraction, which is Jesus. When, when our lives are in the, in the way, when, when we are focused on just taking selfies, when we're focused on just being ourselves and all about us, 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 we get in the way of the main attraction. There's a picture that I'm going to show you now. Uh, I hope the, the guys in production will be able to help me now. There's a picture I'm going to show you. 
it's now or never. So this is a, a, a beautiful picture of a person taking a picture of themselves. You know, we do this. We go to places and we take pictures of ourselves wherever we go. So this is a beautiful picture of a person taking the picture of themselves. But we actually are missing the attraction that is in the back. So then the next picture that I'm going to show you is a beautiful picture of the Eiffel Tower, I think. <laughs> it's a beautiful picture of the Eiffel Tower. Listen, I'm not saying take yourself out of the picture. I'm saying put the most important person in your picture, which is Jesus. When we get to see him, him, we reflect him. And our lives are supposed to be like that. So what's the first thing that we need to do? The first thing that we need to do is we need to switch from selfie mode to God's mode. When we switch from selfie mode, we, it's us. As long as we see us in the picture, it's not going to work. So we need to switch from selfie mode to God's mode. It is saying that people that want to live a life of meaning make, a painful, make the painful shift from being consumers to being consumed by a greater cause, by a greater purpose. So if you want to live a life of meaning, you need to make the painful shift from being a consumer to being consumed by a greater cause. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. And the question is very simple. Are you a follower of Jesus? Now, you might say that I attend church every day, I go to church every Sunday, but the question is, are you a follower of Jesus? Now, you might say, I give to the poor, I give to church, but are you a follower of Jesus? Now, you might say, I believe in God, I do all that stuff, but the question is, are you a follower of Jesus? I'll ask you another question. Is there any distinction between you and a person who is not a follower of Jesus? When you look at your life, when you look at yourself, your life, can you honestly say that there is a difference between your life, and a person who does not follow Jesus. Sometimes we make coming to church as the ultimate goal. But there is more to, uh, to, 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 to Christianity. There is more to following Jesus. When we make that decision, there is more that, we, that is supposed to happen. Uh, it's very easy to say because salvation is free. Salvation is completely free. And if you haven't, and if you haven't accepted this free gift of salvation... Today might be the day for you. Salvation is completely free. However, following Jesus, on the other hand, will cost you everything. Following Jesus will cost you everything. Following Jesus will cost you everything. I'm reminded of the story of the rich young ruler. I know the, the, the guys in production don't have this, pic, this, this uh, scripture. The rich young ruler goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, how do I enter the kingdom of God? Then Jesus tells him all these commandments. He says, Jesus, I keep all those commandments. I keep all those commandments. Then Jesus says to him, okay, great. Now go and sell everything you own. Following Jesus will cost us everything. I'm going to read a scripture for us that will, that will explain to us what it means to follow Jesus. And the scripture is Mark chapter 8 verse 34. It says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you want to be my follower, following me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter is not going to be enough. 
if any of you want to be my follower, following me on TikTok and all at Jesus underscore Christ is not going to be enough. If, if any of you want to be my follower, what is the first thing that we, that, that we have to do? You guys have to help me read. What's the first thing that we have to do? You have to give up your own way. That's the first thing. What's the first thing? The second thing that you have to do? Take up your cross. What's the third thing that you have to do? Okay. This is simple, right? I'm going to read the, the next passage in that same scripture. It's not there on the screens, but I'll just read it for you. So the whole scripture is, then, G, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. If you try hang on to your life, you will lose it. If you try hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? It's very easy for us to lose our souls when, we, when, when our lives are all about us. It's very easy for us when we gain the whole world, the fame and all of these things. It's very easy for us to actually lose our soul. So, the thing that we have to do, we have to give up our own way. So, we have to surrender your way. You have to surrender your way for his way. And I, talking from experience, it's either his way or the highway. Trust me, there are days when I used to smoke weed. I know it's very difficult to, 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 to believe because I'm, such, I'm so holy. Um, there are days when I used to smoke weed. I go to the understanding that there is no high like the most high. It's very easy for us to understand that it's all about his way and not our way. <laughs> it has to be his way. So we have to surrender our way for his way. There is something significant that happens in war. There is something significant that happens during war. It was an unwritten law of war uh, before 1907. But in 1907, they officialized this law, and they actually made it to be a law at the Hague Convention in 1907. So they said in order for an army to surrender, they need to do three things. And the three things that they need to do, the first thing that they need to do is that they need to drop their weapons. And dropping their weapons was a sign to say that you are dropping your ambition to win the war by yourself. You are dropping every other strategy that you had to win the war, you are dropping it. So they, they, they would literally drop everything. Their weapons they had, their strategy they had, whatever plans they had, they would drop that plan. And the second thing that they would do is that they would take up a white flag. And the white flag would be in front. As long as the white flag was in front, the other army would not be allowed to kill you. They would not be allowed to shoot at you as long as the white flag was in front. And the third thing they would do is that they would lift their hands and surrender. They would lift their hands and surrender. I think that this is a perfect illustration on what we must do to follow Jesus. The first thing we must do is we need to drop our weapons. We need to drop our own desires. We need to drop our own sinful desires. We need to drop leading ourselves. Listen, shepherds in the Bible, I know the Bible says that the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want and he leads us beside still waters. Shepherds in the Bible were not these farm boys that we have today. Shepherds in the Bible used to walk in front of the sheep. So they would go in front of the sheep and they would, be, they would have a flock of maybe 200 or 300 sheep behind them. And the sheep would follow the shepherd. 
The sheep would follow the shepherd. And as the shepherd would be walking, whatever comes, if a bear, a lion comes, it would face the shepherd first. I feel like following Jesus is exactly like that. Is exactly like that. We need to be led by God. Now, the second thing that they'll do is take up a white flag, and I feel like a white flag represents, is a perfect representation of Jesus. Jesus is our white flag. As long as we put him in front of us, in front of our decisions, in front of everything that we have to do in our lives, we have a sense of protection and a sense of direction. It's like if I'm stuck in the middle of the ocean and uh, I'm, I'm struggling to swim and someone comes and throws a life jacket at me and he says, um, I can help you to navigate the waters. I can help you to swim. Throwing the life jacket, that's grace. But I want you to take the life jacket and, and step into the boat so that I can navigate the water for you. But I don't care if you're Mike, Michael Phelps or whoever, you're not going to be able to swim the ocean by yourself because there are sharks in the water. There is uh, weird animals that I don't even know how to pronounce in the water that you will not be able to swim by yourself. So Jesus then says, come into the boat because I know the way, because I am the way. So it's very important for us to understand. The third, third thing that they do is that they lift up their hands and surrender. Lifting up our hands is a posture that we use in worship. Lifting up our hands is a posture that we use in worship as, as, as a way to, 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 we use it in worship and in prayer as a way of surrender. But now, I think that this is a great illustration on what we need to do. For us to be able to hear the voice of our shepherd, we need to be able to spend time in prayer. We need to be able to communicate with our prayer. Well, prayer is basically communicating with God. Prayer is basically communicating with God. The more we spend time in prayer, the more we get to communicate with God. I, I remember when, as I was preparing for this message, I had a great quiet time this week. For my personality, it's difficult to have a quiet time, just to have a quiet time because the mo if I'm to keep quiet and focus on what God is trying to tell me, my mind is just going to start planning how many kids I want to have. My mind is just going to start planning all these other things in my mind. I'm going to start planning the whole day instead of just focusing on what God is trying to say. But I think this week, I had an amazing week where I just sat down and it turned into an amazing worship moment where I just felt like God was speaking to me. It's amazing when we get to do that. So I, I guess the, 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 th the second thing that Jesus says we need to do is take up your cross. Take up your cross. Take up your cross. Listen, I know you're thinking that's easy. I'm just going to walk into Mr. Price, buy an exchange for 20 rand with a cross on it. No. 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 Listen, taking up your cross... That was, talk, that was spoken about in the scripture is something else. Because a cross in the Bible represented something different. A cross in the Bible represented four things. It represented opposition. That was the first thing that the cross in the Bible represented. For Jesus to be crucified, it's because other, there were people that, were, um, that opposed him. The second thing that the cross represented was shame. It represented shame. The cross represented shame. So they would lift their cross and walk in the streets, and people would be throwing stuff at them, spitting on them, and doing all these things to them. And the cross represented that. The, second, the third thing that the cross represented is that it represented um, 
it represented um, suffering. So they would put nails on you, beat you, and do all of those things. That's what the cross represented. And the last thing that the cross represented, it represented death. And the death that Jesus Christ is talking about in terms of taking up your cross, Jesus is trying to say, listen, if you want to be my follower, you need to put to death your forced version of yourself. You need to put to death a version of yourself that you have and be able to look in the reflection. When you look in the mirror, as long as you see yourself, you're not going to be able to follow me. But if you see me in that mirror, you are going to qualify to be my follower. That's what Jesus is trying to say in this portion of Scripture. Uh, Martin Luther said that every Christian must be a crossman. Every Christian must be a crossman. And it's very easy <laughs> to say, oh, well, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to buy a cross. But it's very difficult. Every Christian must be a crossman. So the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 to 2 says, So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had. Be ready to suffer. For if you have suffered physical pain, you have finished with sin. This is my favorite part. Then he says, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires. You won't spend the rest of your life chasing after yourself. You won't spend the rest of your lives ch chasing a false version of yourself. But you will be anxious to do the will of God. How do we do the will of God? We do the will of God by listening to his voice. The fourth thing that we have to do is we have to listen to his voice. John 10 verse 5 says that they will not follow a stranger, but they will run away from him because they don't know him. If we're in a room and we have 100 people in here and we have Susan Render looking for Jason Render in this building, if a person is shouting, Susan, come to me, and Jason shouts, come to me, without a doubt, Susan Render will go to Jason Render. If she doesn't, hmm, something's wrong. <laughs> Something is wrong. Without a doubt, Susan Render will go to Jason because she knows his voice. And knowing his voice, com coming back to prayer, it's something that is developed in prayer. The moment we speak, prayer is communicating with God. It's not talking to God, but communicating with God. The more we communicate with God, the more we can be able to hear his voice and know his voice. The Bible says that my sheep know my voice. They know my voice. And if you go to John 10, 27, if you skip a few um, uh, verses, go to 27, it says, my, sh my sheep know my voice, and I know them, and they know me. And the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. So the more we spend time with God, the more we can be able to know his voice. So I feel like following Jesus looks like Switching from selfie mode. It looks like surrendering your way. It looks like taking up your cross. And it looks like listening to his voice. This is what following Jesus looks like. This is what following Jesus looks like. This is what following Jesus looks like. And we have a, grace, a great course on the website called, called Following Jesus. I would advise all of us if you're in here, to go and do that course. It's absolutely free. I know we love free things. You don't need to pay for it. All you need to do 
is go on the website, on our uh, website, which is viewchurchmilnerton.co.za. And the great course tackles some of the most pivotal topics on the Christian faith. Some of the topics we may not be able to cover on a Sunday are covered in that, in that course. And I would encourage you to do that course and take that course. And if you're here and you're like, well, you're asking me to follow Jesus and I don't even know Jesus. I actually want to take this time to invite you and just tell you in, in less than a minute who this Jesus is. This Jesus is a man who paid our price. We were born sinners and he was crucified and he paid the price for us so that we can have redemption, so that we can be free, so that we can be able to be called children of God. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to invite you, if you're here and you want to make that decision, you want to accept this free gift of salvation, I'm going to tell you that the Bible says, for you to be children of God, you need to first believe that He is Lord and confess with your mouth. I'm going to invite you to take this decision. If you are here, I'm going to invite all of us to stand, actually. Um, I'm going to invite all of us to stand. All heads bowed. If you're here and you want to make this decision, and you're like, I really want to know this Jesus that you're talking about. I want to be able to follow this Jesus that you're talking about. And if you're saying that I want to make that decision, I want to take that step, I'm going to ask you to do two, two things. The first thing that I'm going to ask you, as all heads are bowed, is to lift your hand. If you're here and I'll make that decision, it's just to lift your hand. Thank you. Thank you. And... The second thing I'm going to ask of you is that when we're done with this service is for you to actually take a step of faith. And the step of faith that you're going to take is go to the connect area at the back when we're done. When you go to the connect area, there will be people that will be able to talk with you, communicate with you, and help you on your journey. Because this is a journey that you're about to start. This is a journey that you're about to start. And I promise you, you are never going to regret this decision. You are never going to regret this decision. So two things I ask of you. The, the last thing I ask of you is that you go to the connect area. As I'm going to pray for us. Father, we thank you for this day. We just thank you, God, that as we strive to be more and more like you, as we strive to look in, in the mirror and we see you and less of us and more of you, God, I just pray that you help us to follow you. Help us to understand what it means to follow you. Help us to have a sense of understanding that following you will cost us everything. But then to lose ourselves is to gain ourselves. And we gain ourselves in you, Christ. Jesus, we just want to thank you, even for people that have made the decision to follow you today. Father, I thank you that you help them and you walk with them. I thank you that you help to walk with them. You help to reveal yourself to them so that they may be able to know your voice and take this step of faith, God. I just thank you, God. Help us to be more and more like you. Help us to be more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.